All right, good people. So we need to talk 23 is back again. I'm your host, Ringo. And joining me tonight for a special episode on mental health is uh, JR from West Virginia Uncommonplace and Jay from the Cognac Room. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Doing pretty good, barring the weather. <laughs> you, you ready for the second round of snow? Yes, I am. I've been eager for this. I feel bad for Jay because he out there, he on the coastline almost. I mean, Charlotte ain't that far out there. It's hard to put your business out there like that. But, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the snow is going to touch you sometime, but it's just not going to, you ain't going to get a heavy amount. No, we rarely do. We rarely do. But the, but the snow that they get is, is significant to North Carolina. I'm from Jersey. So when they say snow, I know what real snow is compared to dc maryland and virginia going south so yeah <laughs> yeah and i tell you a bad thing about where i'm at is like i got that that stuff coming off Erie lake and then i got that the indiana snow and that kentucky snow i get three different types of snows that pass through me like a filter and the mountains take some of that shit away from people mm. and then the rest of it hits y'all or if you're in maryland you're lucky because every time something comes through from cleveland and down it's gonna smack west virginia and you barely see anything <laughs> Luckily, we don't get it too bad here. What we got the other day was a shock. I was out of town. We got home right before it started snowing. So, <laughs> but um, but but just to to jump in, I, I do have something uh, something that I want to start in terms of mental health. So I know every you know we are getting more things that are trickling out now. But I'll ask you all. So when you saw the Antonio Brown situation, since we are speaking of on mental health tonight. You know, what, what was your initial reaction when you heard or saw, you know, what was coming down? I'm not talking about what we know today from, you know, the statement that he put out today and things. But when you saw it on Sunday, what was your take on it? I don't know, man. I don't know if I really had a, a serious take on it just because it's. It's typical for him, basically, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I think a lot of people just felt like, you know, he's being ungrateful. He's being, you know, a prima donna or or whatever. Um, I think that I mostly looked at that situation and I said, here is a man that really doesn't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so I didn't, in my personal opinion, I didn't at that time attribute any of his behaviors to a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. I, but, but I'm one person, I will say this, just as a disclaimer, I'm very slow to throw that label around. Yeah. Okay, now I'm gonna say this real quick. I didn't think mental health, I was thinking CTE, what type of hits had this man taken in the past? What was going on with his mind? And then that CTE and all that concussion stuff goes back to your mental. Mm -hmm. So when I seen the display, I was like, this dude's went off his rocker. I was like, he does a lot of absurd things. Like everything can be going good in his life. And then he'll go out here and commit a random crime or he'll make a new rap song and everything just goes downhill from there. So my take on it was like, I was like, it's a mental health thing, but I said, maybe it may not be mental health. Maybe it's something to do with a head injury. Something is going on inside there. does not function in the way we would do. Cause if we get contract guaranteed money and we knew we was going to probably sit on another Super Bowl ring, I would, probably be on P's and Q's, even if I didn't like what was going on. 
Yeah, because I, I mean, I did a show the other day um, called Sports Talk, and that was, you know, the main topic was talking about Antonio Brown. And something that one of the guests brought up was, you know, how Antonio Brown really hasn't been the same since that uh, perfect hit when he was with Pittsburgh, when Antonio Brown was with Pittsburgh when they played Cincinnati. And I said, if you stop and think about it, that that may be true, not a doctor, psychologist, anything like that. But I said, if you think about it, that is sort of when he started to change or when we, on, you know, the public got this new Antonio Brown. So as far as the CTE thing goes, I, you know, I would like to lean on it, but I, you know, like I said, I'm no expert in the area. Yeah, me either, but it's just kind of like, you know, when he was with the Steelers, he did get rocked really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about he, because he was really playing in his prime. That was when he was in his prime. I don't know what he's doing nowadays. I ain't going to disrespect that man, but I want to say he was in his prime then. And like after that, just the display, how he went off the field, um, the later antics that they tried to uh, talk up. And if I can, if we can clarify something, he hasn't been released yet. Has he? I I saw some reports that say he was released. And then I saw yeah. saying that he isn't, hasn't been released. So I don't know which side is true and which isn't. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. It's up in the air still, I think. All right. So, one of them deals, I think that they're going to kind of do some type of cosmetic work with it and fix his situation. Like he's, I think he's going to end up staying on that team, but they're going to have to get him some help because they're not going to just let this slide. And if he refuses the help, then that'll just seal the deal. He's gone. No more NFL career. He can go make rap records and, and try to holler at Asia doll. There is a part of me that believes he doesn't want to play anymore. That I, I took the same approach when I saw him. Because the just the way that he snatched off the the shoulder pads and things on the sideline, and then started throwing stuff into the cloud. I mean, he was waving goodbye, and you just looked at it and go, you know, sort of what you were talking about, Jr. He just said, "Fuck the money, fuck this Super Bowl. I, I have one," and I think he was just comfortable in in his skin and where he's at, the way he ran off the field. He was actually happy. I don't know if you saw the footage with the Uber driver and all of that stuff. Yeah. It it was almost like he was relieved. And he's just like, hey, let's go live a little bit. Let me go live some life a little bit. I don't know what disciplines these guys are really under. Like, I don't know it from an experiential perspective. But, I mean, he just seemed relieved to be done with that shit. And I know what that feels like. I've been there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like I said, it may not make sense to others, but to us, you know, like you said, that just to have that off your shoulders, like, you know, I haven't felt, he probably hasn't felt that good about something, you know, walking away from it since maybe high school. You know what I mean? Freedom. Yeah, between between the hits and the the schedule and training and practice and everything, like you said, that, that freedom is something that no amount of money can truly give him. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So uh, let, let's jump into jump into some of the some of the questions here. Um, have either of you ever experienced a terrible occurrence that has impacted you significantly? Examples may include being the victim of armed assault, with witnessing a tragedy happen to someone else, surviving a se- sexual assault, or living through a natural disaster. That's a deep one. You you got that you got that first Jay, or do you want me to get it? I can get it, man. I, I have. Uh, I think I have a very qualifying one. Um, my 
oldest child committed suicide at the age of 24 years old. Um, and it was unexpected. And it's probably the most traumatic thing I've ever dealt with in my life. So yes, I have, I'm still dealing with, cause this was only maybe three years ago. So it's still very fresh, very new. And I've come to the realization that it never gets better. You just learn how to live with it. Very, very true. And I'll, I'll let you go, JR, before I chime in. So, um, All right, and, and I can say on this, everybody knows um, one of my experiences, I did lose my wife in 2019 to gastric bypass surgery. Like that was something that kind of, like it ripped, it ripped my soul away. It kind of made me harden and it, it made me a little different than what you would have seen when I was doing my podcast in 2018. Um, and then other things, you know, I lost my dad. We we lost we lose a lot of people now, like a, a serious traumatic event, like being robbed or something like that. Nah, I ain't been robbed or nothing. If someone ran up on me, uh, you know, I try to you know defend myself, but like a, a death, I can say the death is the thing that kind of moved me and messed my messed my psyche. Up. It, it made me become two different people, mm-hmm. and I, I never thought that I would be two different people. There is a there is a Jr. that is. Uh, a very closeted person. I live a, lead a very private life now because of that. Like I, like I used to be on Instagram. You would see me on pictures everywhere. I don't stunt like that. I might show a little food here and there while I'm eating that. But that type of uh, lifestyle that I had, I, I kind of closed that off. And then you got this other one that's the podcaster. And podcaster, I always celebrate. It's not. A, it is an augmented reality. You see different things. You still see the authentic me, but you see what I want you to see. Mm-hmm. You don't see the pain has struggle and the struggle that's in that pain so you don't never see that part that portion you see the good portions you don't see the rejection the thing is that you know that type of stuff that's the thing that that people don't get to see and if some people do get to see and they witness it then they're like man this dude got a lot on his plate just like we all got a lot on that plate so go ahead chime in definitely no and, and i'll say for me that i think i check all of those boxes except for the sexual assault <laughs> right you know i've had different things but uh i will say the first major thing that I had in my life was um, when I lost my brother my younger brother he was 16 he passed from cancer he had a brain tumor and he passed and and like and and similar to what Jay was saying is like you know my brother passed away in 99 so we're talking 20 plus years later and like you said the the pain that feeling never goes away you know because you'll hear and you'll see people say oh you know it, it, it gets easier no it doesn't we learn how to mask that pain and we just learn to live with it. It's, it's now, it's a part of us. And we, you know, and we just learn to move forward. Because for me, I, there's times when I'm, when I'll cry, I'll sit down, I'll be watching and I could share this with y'all since, you know, I don't mind being transparent. But like right after my brother died, I want to say a year or two later, I remember watching The Lion King and I, for whatever reason, that shit broke me down. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And I just start crying and it's little things like that now where I could hear a song or something just brings that memory back. And before my brother passed, I was I was a total asshole when it came to emotion. I wouldn't show any emotion. Now I'm a little bit better with it. And that comes from, you know, having three, having three sons since my brother's passed. And, you know, and my wife working with me because I was still terrible with, with hiding it, not wanting to seem weak because of the way, you know, we grew up, you know, 
I remember growing up, I would get, you know, get my ass whooped for crying. You know, men don't cry. You know, me, I'm in a background in West Indian. So in the West Indian culture and stuff, you know, men don't cry, men don't show emotion. So for me, it was, all right, I got to hold this in. But now it's just like, fuck it. I got, I need to release this. Because holding it in makes you a ticking time bomb. And nine times out of 10, you're going to end up going off on the wrong person. So to, to, to what you said, Jay, yeah, we, we just learn how to mask the shit. It never, it, it doesn't get better. We just, we cope and we deal with it. We make it a part of us. And I'll, I'll add this in there real quick. I think the hardest thing too with dealing with them deaths and stuff like that is the triggers. Because in life, ain't much age difference between us, but we, I was not taught about trigger triggering uh, activity. I wasn't taught that this is going to trigger you to feel this way or to feel that or react to something this way. So up until I'm 36 now, up until my mid twenties, I didn't realize that certain things just triggered me and got me into certain spots mentally. Like, like for instance, with her dying, like I can't go to Indianapolis because we spent a lot of time in Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Louisville, and, and Columbus. Even though I have to work in those areas, I have start clear of Indianapolis because we did so much there. In, in every street corner, every place, Butler University, wherever I can, I know what we what we did there, what, what happened, and for me as a person, it just like stops my world. Like the last time I was there in April, I just had to stop and leave. I had to call my assistant, had him come out there and do the job because I didn't think that something would block me like that. Because I mean, I travel everywhere and I'm pretty much like a USB cord. I hook up anywhere with anybody and anything I got to do, and nothing freezes me. But something about being in that city, at the Pacers game, I just froze. And I realized I got to get up out of here. And as a man, we not taught to, 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 to deal with that type of anguish. We're just told to just be tough. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And this was one instance I was in the stadium alone watching this sorry ass team play. Sorry about that. But, and, and it just something triggered. We was there a year ago. I was a year ago with her there and we were enjoying a basketball game, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it, it's just weird that that triggered that eating a piece of pizza, the little pizza joint on the corner triggered that stuff. So I just hopped in my car, I drove four hours straight back home. Didn't think anything of it. Went to work the next day in West Virginia, but it was just like, how, how was I going to let something like that stop me? Something triggered that I didn't have a way to counteract or react to it. It was just, I got to get away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the, the hardest mental health issues because sometimes you can't walk away from things like that i i had the luxury to do that but a lot of times in life you gotta face that head on and even to right now i'm not going back to indianapolis if i don't have to i'll go to fort wayne or something i'll go around you know so uh jay do you have anything else before i ask this next question uh nah man not really uh i will say this like when you talk about triggers I believe, and and don't ask me how, man. Like, I truly believe, and I know that a lot of people believe that they're gifted and they're special in different ways. And most of us are. You know what I mean? But I I just feel like my gift and my way of being special has always been more so tied to my emotions and my ability to see things, almost like see things from the inside out, so to speak, or to see things in a manner that other people can't see them. Like, I feel like I'm gifted in that way. 
Like I can see to the root of a problem. Like there could be chaos going on and everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. And I automatically know this is why this is happening. It's just a gift. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and it works most of the time. Didn't work with me and my child or that situation. And that's how usually it goes. You know what I mean? You can be the most gifted and give the greatest advice in your house to the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's just reality, man. Um, but because of that gift, I feel like I understood triggers before I under before I knew how to explain them or heard what they were. I understood that because I remember giving an analogy as a very young man that if someone did something to you and they breathed a certain way and they smelled a certain way, hearing that breathing pattern and smelling those scent, scents could could potentially drive you over, remind you of what you were going through and drive you, you know, over the top. I remember saying this stuff like as like damn near a grade school kid, bro. Like seriously. Mm-hmm. Don't know where the hell I got it from. Old soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't know where the hell I got it from. But I do know that because of certain things, there are times that I have to go past the site. Um, not the, yeah, the site of where this thing happened. And some days I can go by there and, you know, it's tolerable. And then there are some days that I go by there and it's, it's very intolerable. I can't take it. I have to, you know, pull over and get myself together. So, yeah, definitely um, things are very, very triggering. And I understand triggers, man. And, and, you know, it goes back to what they used to say to people um, that have addictions. They so they were like, you should avoid certain per- people, places, and things, you know, because these will trigger certain things in you that will cause you to relapse and use or whatever. I've never been a user of anything. I've never been to rehab for anything. But um, in my previous life, I did some hustling. And where I'm from, if you get caught hustling, they send you to rehab anyway. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So that's where I got that from. But at the end of the day, you know, I understand what you mean when you say you have to avoid certain things because they can be triggering. And I've often, you know, I think within my, I don't intentionally or purposely go to these locations or to this location. But I think when I'm required to go past that location, I don't avoid it because in some twisted way, I feel like, it's going to make me stronger. It's going to help me grow through this thing. It's like, I don't want to avoid it. Yeah. If that makes sense. It, it makes sense. Cause this, it, I don't know. I'd liken it to, you know, when you're learning to ride a bike, you fall off the bike, you're going to scrape your elbow, scrape your knee, but you're going to get back up. You're going to get on that bike. It's just sort of working your way through it. No matter how tough the situation may be. So going past it, so I totally get what you mean when you said you ride some days are good, some days are bad, but you don't totally avoid it. And like for each of us, it's it's different. Cause like for me, I don't have a lot to where I can say, oh, you know, this is, you know, my brother passed away in the hospital. They told him he wasn't gonna live three more years. He was 13 when we found out. He actually lived three, they gave him six months. He lived three more years. So he made it till he was 16. So, you know, it's just, you know, I get around his birthday and things like that. It is, 
is when I get down. And I noticed that this year I was talking to my wife and I was all good. And then the anniversary came around and my mood just went total shit. And, and sometimes you don't even realize why, because that happens to me around the holidays because my daughter's birthday is around December. It's December 8th. Okay. And so I realized like the past few years, I've been kind of the Grinch mm-hmm. at the holiday season. Yeah. And I didn't realize why until like this year. I was like, I get it. I know why. Yeah, same, same yeah. My wife was like, maybe you need to go talk to somebody. And it's just like, I don't need to talk to nobody. I'm like, All right, it's only going to be a week or whatever the case is. And then I'll be fine. And that's usually what happens. But like I said, it gets to, it got to a point to where I didn't want to do anything. You know, and like, oh, we're going to go do this, this, and this. All right, you and the boys, go ahead. I, you know, I'll see y'all when y'all get back. I just wanted to be by myself. So, I mean, I I, I, I totally get that. But I, I will say this, sort of like you said, with, with your ability, one thing that I picked up, too, is that I'm very, very calm. Like, I am on here now. I'm like this all the time. Like you said, chaos could be going on around me, and I'm the one in the group that's like, all right, let's, let's relax. We're we going to get through this. But what I learned in learning that I'm the calm in the storm, I have my own storms that I'm dealing with. And the thing is, I'm taking on everybody else's shit. So then when my shit boils to the top, it's just like I'm, everybody's crap that they piled on top of me. Instead of me releasing it, I hold it in also. And then everything just spews to the top. So I get that once in a blue where I'm not calm. But it's good because I get to release all of that. And thankfully, I don't. You know, I don't, I, yeah, I know you see the bar and stuff behind me, but I'm not a heavy drinker. I drink when I do the podcast and when I'm out socially, but <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any real vices to where, you know, it's not like, oh, I got to have a drink. I'm feeling this way or I need to go smoke some weed. That's not my thing. So, I mean, but it, you know, it, it, it's just, it's just different things. So for you, JR, have you noticed any, any, I, I, I call a superhero, any superhero abilities that you picked up since? Man, I'm going to say this because I deal with a wide range of people. I was talking to these witches one time and they was talking about empaths and other stuff because I, I have to take an approach to, to learn everything. I'm one of the people I want to know every, what everybody's thoughts are. Ain't got to be my thoughts. And, and I sat here and I, and I listened to these witches. They was telling me about empaths and some extra stuff. And I was like, them, them some good things. Uh, the, the word is divinity or divine stuff. Um, all those divine notions and stuff, that's all fine and dandy for someone that has to have that in their moral set, in their morality set. But for me, um, no, nah, no new superpowers. And I'm like, the, the only um, thing that I got, and, and now it's a, it's a certain period of time, I know like in February and I know in July, like when she died and then her birthday, I got to stay to myself, get inside that bubble and just do what I got to do for me and not worry about everybody else. Um, and then the other thing I had to do is um, I had to learn this valuable thing. And I learned this at, at uh, about right, roughly three years ago. You got to have a memories museum of people. Some people you got to place inside your mind and let them sit back on the shelf inside your museum. And, and I learned, and I hate the word toxic, so I'm not going to use that, but um, them bad vibes and mojo you get from people and get from auras and things around you. I do follow that. If something ain't right, if it don't sit right well with me, if it, or if it just rubs me the wrong way, I've learned now to walk away from it. Um, coincidentally, though, I hollered at a, a feng shui lady and she was t- telling me some things. I had, a, I had her on the show for an interview. 
and she was just going over some things with me. And um, just to tell you guys, I was about to enter into a business venture with someone today. And I was rocky about it before. And this lady just, she kind of, and it's weird because feng shui is a Chinese metaphysics is something totally different. We can talk about that another time. But just from the way that she talked about things, I didn't enter into that agreement. And she told me not to enter into that agreement. She said, collaborate and do what you can do that way with, with them people, but don't bring them people into your fold. So I will say certain aspects of certain divine thought I use, but I ain't out here reading minds or this and that. If the lady scribbled some numbers on a paper and threw some dust in the air and she figured out this, this and that, and I ain't say nothing to her, I kind of got to go on a limb and go with what she's saying. Cause she ain't know me from a can of paint. That's, that's true stuff. It's true stuff. But we all we all have some some ability. Like I said, it's just we may not necessarily call it an ability, but but it is there. We all have it in us. Some of us are, you know, greater being an asshole. You know, <laughs> whatever it is, it's still an ability. It just depends on how you use being, you know, being that asshole in certain situations. All right. So let me articulate it then. Um, I got attributes that get me into certain situations that I should be in. And I have attributes that get me into situations I shouldn't get myself into. There you go. I'll say that all day long. That, that's your ability. <laughs> <laughs> so um, out of the things that, that I mentioned before, and, and I'll go first to kind of give, you know, uh, an example of what I mean. So uh, something else in there, like a, a terrible occurrence to me is, and I touched on this briefly on some other episode I did or interview. Um, like a terrible occurrence for me is how speaking to a lot of things going on now with, you know, with the police and all this other stuff, how you'll have a lot of people, podcasters, whoever, that say, you know, oh, the police, this, the police, white police are evil, this, this, and that. I always go the, the other way with it. And I know I piss some people off, but I've, I've always told people all of my bad incidents or run-ins have been with black cops, not white cops. To the point to where, like I said, I'm in Maryland. I used to work um, you know, federal security and stuff downtown DC. And I was on my way to work one day and I got pulled over. And I had, you know, what the cop called one of the dope boy cars. I had the Dodge Magnum when it first came out. Ooh. So I'm driving, a cop pulled me over, black cop. And he was like, your car's been reported stolen. And I was like, by who? I said, I'm the only name on the paperwork. Who could have reported my car stolen? I'm in full uniform. I got my bars on, my badge, everything. So he's like, you know, it's stolen. So I gave him everything, registration, all the shit. He still pulled me out the car. And now I get out the car. I'm 6'2". He's about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, so I'm towering over him somewhat. So he, gets, he just jumps back and he pulls his gun out on me. I'm in full uniform. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm getting mad, but I don't want to overreacting, <laughs> catch no shot in the ass, trying to whoop this cop ass. So I'm stepping back. And the only thing that honestly saved me that day was it was an Asian cop. He called for backup. Asian cop pulled up. The Asian cop asked him what he was doing. Other than that, I mean, he had his gun drawn on me and everything. And I mean, it, it was so bad. And I just looked at him and I had so much shit I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I didn't want to I didn't want to drum that up. And like I said, could it have happened with a white cop? Yes. But all of my bad run-ins have been with black cops and not white cops. 
I mean, when I got back home, this is before my wife and I were married, but I went, you know, went back home and I'm talking to her. And I don't know if you remember the scene from Boys in the Hood where Trey went to Nia Long's, Nia Long's house. And that was yeah. me. I was swinging at the air. I was so heated because I wanted to do something and I really couldn't. So that would be a terrible occurrence for me. So have either of you had anything else that, that happened to you outside of what we just spoke about? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I live in West Virginia. Um, and, and this is crazy. People are going to take this the wrong way. So, so anyone that gets triggered by this and gets upset, please remember that I am originally from Virginia. So I'm from Virginia is a, is a mixed breed of things happening. Oh yeah. Cause you can be in one spot and there'd be no racism. You can go to another spot and it's racist as hell. Um, in West Virginia, the craziest thing is, is like you said, I've had counter racism the opposite racism it should be racism i get from white people that i get from black people of our, our, our own kind when um and, and this is something that that really bothers me and, and and it happened to me in podcasts and also we are all successful in a, in light of what anybody says the job you do when you're outside of podcasting that's your job you make money that's your prestige you handle your job you do what you do and a lot of work with what i do I am, I am in the public eye. I, I deal with lots of people. Obviously, we all know who I work for. And when it comes time to like, it's not that I, I don't call it the land spree or anything like that. When it's time to try to help somebody step up or, or go above and beyond, um, the traumatic thing that happens to me is I get called an Uncle Tom. I get called, sold. I sold out. I did this or that. And that's even with my podcast. I have people that'll say, um, well, JR, you sold out. Your podcast is flat. It's not urban enough. It's not this or that. And like that's a traumatic event that happens to me constantly every other day with a different Black podcaster or with anyone else that feels that my podcast doesn't sit in a certain area and in life, tying into life. Like it would be instances when I would get promoted in a position or I didn't get promoted and I tried to help somebody else get promoted or just get them on the same level as me. And it'd be inside my own race these people is like he's uncle tom he's just trying to move forward and he ain't trying to carry anybody with him but what i learned as i got more up up in business and got more savvy is is that it's all right to leave a, a dotted line but it's not all right to hold somebody's hand and show them what side up to be on that dotted line so that's the traumatic that stuff that's ha that happens has happened to me and that does constantly happen is that our own kind uh it, no one wants to measure success. They, they just want to just get to the top real fast and anything they do, be it the job or anything. And if they see somebody that's working and, and they're, and they're the same ethnicity, they just want to put it, put them in a box and just say that they're this and just leave them like that. Absolutely, bro. <clears throat> so here's the thing, man. I've been to federal prison. I have never had an unpleasant experience with a cop detective or federal agent. Don't know why. Well, I, I partially do know why. Won't get into that. Um, You get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I don't make waves, man. It's like, shit, you got me, let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like anything, any quarrels or any issues I have, we'll deal with that on the back end. Um, 
but I, I feel like some of the outside of that, like some of the most traumatic experiences that I have had have just been from, from like kind of similar to what the brother Ringo was saying um, from my own people, but not in the sense of our own people, but not in the sense of being a, it being a cop, but just being other black males who for whatever fucking reason decided that they should fuck with me. You know what I mean? Um, and I know that sometimes maybe it was related to females. Sometimes maybe it was just related to indoctrination and mindset or whatever, but it was traumatizing in the sense that a lot of those incidents took me outside of who I was as a person. And what I mean when I say that is I've always been kind of hot headed. I've always, you know, just felt like, you know, and then I had very negative influences in my life growing up. I had uncles and aunts, people who were like, pick something up and knock the hell out of them. And, you know, so I started, I embraced this mindset and this way of doing things. And so, you know, I went through a, a period of my life where I was very violent. I didn't go out bothering people. I didn't pick fights. But if you brought the shit to me, then there would be blood. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that that was very traumatizing to me, man. It was traumatizing to me to have to be put in a situation like that, number one. And then number two, you know, looking at why. Like, I did nothing to anyone, you know, minding my business. People want to fuck with me. And now I'm forced into a situation where I have to do things that I don't really want to do. So anyone who can tell you that they hurt people or had to hurt people and it didn't affect them, that's a candidate for some, some studies or some shit, man, because they have no conscience, they have no, no heart, they have no, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like they're inhumane because at my worst state in life, when I did some of the worst shit that I've ever done, man, those are things that I look back on even now and damn near shed tears over. Things I did to people, even to the point of hurting women emotionally. Believe it or not, like I've teared up just thinking about some of the things. LL said it best, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Crying to myself, what, look what you've done to her, you know what I'm saying? So, and that's the whole thing, man, like, Everything that traumatizes us doesn't necessarily have to be excessive and over the top. Like some things are, but there are some things that, that affect us and, and traumatize us that are just as simple as, you know, I did something, I call it warring against your heart. I warred against my heart on some shit and I'm having a hard time making peace with that. That's trauma, bro. I'll ask this then, you know, so do you think like your, because I, I will say this, I don't think that your reaction is bad, but do you think that your reaction may seem over the top to either yourself when you reflect on it now or to others because you're sort of doing it to, to, uh, to our own people? Because I, I think that the shock for us, like, let's just say the first time that it happened and you really noticed what the hell was going on, you step back and go, I don't believe that this motherfucker that looked like me is, is you know what I mean, giving me this much shit. So I think that, you know, I'm asking 
do you think that that took you to another level that you I know that you didn't want to be at but it took you to that next level because it was someone that looked like you yeah it's almost like having a sibling do some shit to you that you expect a nigga in the street to do mm-hmm. you know what I mean you're gonna be more angry than you would be had it been some dude in the street because it's like of all people, motherfucker, you know what we've been through. You know what I've been through. You know what this is like. Why in the hell would you even feel like it's okay to do this? You know what I'm saying? So yes, it it, it enraged me a bit more, I'd have to say. Yeah. But what about you, JR? Man, see, I'm one of the people, man. I'm petty, so <laughs> and I'm petty Murphy. Um I am the true Richard Petty, and like I don't know, just it <laughs> getting mad. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if if it comes from out of my camp, it's worse than it being a stranger. Me a stranger all day, I can look past it. Um, because I like I said, I've had situations arise where people do stuff just to get a reaction out of me, and I am one of people. Something I got a lot of people behind me, and they like stay calm don't do nothing but sometimes i step out that shell and get out of my character and when i put something out there i ain't just this riffraff that's gonna say this or that or i'm not this twitter or internet thug i'm gonna look at you full sight and i'm gonna see you for what you are and i'm gonna put it out there and when i put it out there all you can do is come back with something harsh and when you come back with something harsh you just eliminate yourself out of the equation by what you say because i'm one like i said i'm one of them petty people i just Got one petty remark, and then I'll walk away from it. Because the one thing I learned uh, as an adult now is that no matter what somebody says to me, if it's not making dollars and cents, and it's not affecting the cents and dollars that come inside my home, into my to my employment, into this podcast that we're doing right now, I could give a damn what you say, what you do, or how you feel. Go go on with your life. If you feel that passionate about it, start activism. Do something to 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 right the wrongs now if someone comes at me physically oh yeah it's it's a level now and i don't know how y'all feel about this if someone harms my family that's when i'm gonna go to work on you you can say whatever you want you can be all this and that because your words is not gonna hurt like i said they're not gonna influence they're not gonna move the situation all it's gonna do is show bad on your character i learned that now 15 years ago oh no you said something out the way and you, you're not nearby. I'm on that plane. I'm on that on that Greyhound. I'm on that train. You know, I'm on that bus. I'm gonna get there. But now I'm reserved. No, nobody can say anything to to really get me out of character unless it's something that's real, real uh, deep to me. Uh, I say this, and, and these are these are my triggers. You say something about uh, my deceased wife. You say something about my child. You say something about the lady I'm with now. They gonna they gonna get me upset and I might come out and react to you a certain way, but then I'm gonna back away because then I gotta look look at things like this. And this is the one thing I say now as an adult that I got, I got this reserve that I can pull back and I can I gotta look in, and it ain't empathy and it's not sympathy at all because neither one of them two. So let me kill that real fast. I gotta look and see where you coming from. I gotta really look and be like, are you coming with a full deck? And that's like the whole deal with this whole mental process. Sometimes I got to back away and be like, this person may not be coming with a full deck. This person might be have added stress because of something that I didn't done that triggered them. So I will back away from certain things because I'll be like, man, is it really worth it at the end of the day? Is this going to benefit me to, to harm or hurt this person? 
mentally, physically, uh, financially, whatever. Um, is it going to really get me a gain? If it ain't going to get me no gain or no motive or any type of uh, mention uh, at the end of the day when it's time to, uh, you know, pass away, then it's not worth my time. No, but I, I mean, I think, and I know my wife always gets on me about this. At times, I tell people, I'm like, sometimes a good ass whooping is, is therapy. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm not Bro. a person. It, it takes <laughs> it takes Thanks. a lot for me to get there. So my wife and my kids know, like for me, and I tell people this, I'm comfortable as hell in my in my manhood and what works in my house. My wife is the is the voice and the face out front. But damn, everybody knows. If I stand up and you see me over my wife's shoulder, they know it's an issue. It's go time. Yeah. Even with my kids. They don't fucked up. Yeah. And now <laughs> it's just like, oh, now we got to talk him down. Because I'll tell anybody, I have that bottom floor and I have a top floor. That middle floor has <laughs> never been in my life. <laughs> and that's what I tell people. Even when shit goes on and, you know, people want to talk yeah. about the internet, all that shit. I could just let it go. Because like JR said, you're not putting your hands on me. I'm not worried about none of that shit because, like I said, I know when I go off, it's not it's not gonna work out in your favor, but, and and then that's just the truth. But at times, a good ass whooping is what some people need, and that's therapy enough. You said it, man. I've often said I'm an extremist. I'm either all the way here or all the way here. There's no in between for me. None. So either I'm not reacting at all or I'm overreacting. That's, just, that's all you get from me. I got two speeds, man. Zero and a hundred. You got the on and off switch. That's all it is. It that's it. You know, in between. Well, the only reason I have to, I keep reserving certain things and y'all can understand this is as I got older, I realized that um, we got this thing called tomfoolery. So tomfoolery, fools stay amongst themselves and they breed each other. They got this, this bubble. They do all this stuff to, to create a circumstance. Well, none of us are fools. So why am I going to battle with a fool? Mm -hmm. Why am I going to sink to a level where I got to fight on a level? Like, nah, I may interject something quick and then let it go. And I'll do that all day long with anybody because I ain't going to just let you. And the one thing that I can't break out of my mentality is that bitch mentality. Ain't nobody going to play me like I'm no bitch. And that's the only thing that as an adult, I ain't going to, like I said, I'm not going to go to war and grab a gun and kill somebody or anything crazy like that. But if somebody ran up on me and they, they talking something and they swing, if I weave and I get out that hit, yeah, you're going to catch that 33-piece chicken um, dinner, you know, or you can catch that whole chicken, the eight-piece bucket. But <laughs> that, that's only if the circumstance arise like that. I hate to do that to somebody, but that's just how I was raised. And, like, it's something about – and I relate this to – I was listening to uh, – Uncle Dolan, he had a show that just came out about talking about uh, all these people being gangster and stuff like that. Man, I'm from Virginia. I'm from rural Virginia. We didn't fight with guns. We fought with our hands. And, and the thing is, if you lost that fight, you had what we call a run back. Yep. We're going to run it back up. Now, if you lost twice in a row, you got to go sit the fuck down. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Are you going to run it back? The rules. Are you keep going. If I, if, if, listen, if you beat me every time I see you, you know how the young boys say it's on site. It's yeah. on site until I win one. Now, if I win one, I let it go. But if you can't let it go, we're going to stay fighting. 
So 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 you ended up, so the run back will be forever with you. So I would have hated you in high school because <laughs> we would be look we would have had an anthology going on. You might thump me this week, but I'm gonna be like I remember that shit from Tuesday. I'm come kicking in somebody's locker coming to find your ass. <laughs> no, but I mean, but it, but it's all about you know knowing yourself and yes and and, and things. But I tell people because like for me, this is why I don't go out much because I just I don't have. I don't have time to deal with, with, the, with the bullshit that's out in the streets now. Because like I said, me, I'm out there. I go to a club, lounge, wherever. I just want to have a cigar. I want to have, you know, have my drink. I just want to cool out, go to fuck home. But then, like I said, you got other people out there, like JR said, with the tomfoolery, that's out there on a whole nother mindset. And I'm just like, JR, you better than me. Because if you run up on me, I'll, I'll deal with the consequences later. You could have been running up to get an autograph. Don't don't run up too quick. <laughs> Need you to jog, call my name, something, tap me on right. the shoulder politely, something. We could do it that way. But if you run up on me, especially if I'm with my wife and kids. Bro, took the words out of my mouth. Ooh. If I'm with my lady? Oh, you done. Oh, <laughs> well, he was just coming to get an autograph. He should have whistled or something. I was like, I need to do something so I know that you're coming. Because I that right there, I didn't see too much stupid shit happen in the streets. Out at clubs, parties, all this nonsense. Somebody run up. Oh, you know, I, I'll give you a good example. When I was younger, and I'm from I'm from Patterson, New Jersey. Okay. We basketball all the time. So you know, after a game, everything we thought everything was cool. Dude shook the other dude hand. As soon as he grabbed my man hand, he got punched in the face. They whooped his ass. So right there, it's just like I don't know what your intentions are, especially if I don't know you. You know, if they like, if I see you in the street, Jr., you run up on me. I know it's you, Jay. I know it's you. But if it's some random, I can't. You know, I'm not waiting to find out what you're gonna do, bro. I want to share something. It's not really off topic. It's on topic, but it's kind of off topic. I recall, but this popped in my head. <clears throat> I recall. So, I recall going to my old neighborhood to this particular spot where they sell wings and they're probably the best damn wings in the city, but it's in the hood. Some people are like, yeah, man, I don't even know why you be going over there. I'm not going over there. I, I'm of the mindset, man. I'm not going to be afraid of my people, man. These are my people. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm, we good. And it's a grown environment. So it's grown and sexy over here. We, I've never had an issue, right? So I'm over there one night, and I'm eating some wings, me and my lady at the time. And uh, I'm sitting outside. We're on the patio. Like, not yeah, the patio area. And I'm I'm waiting on, no, I just got my wings. I just started eating. I'm hungry. I've been drinking. You know, got the munchies, the, the whiskey munchies, right? And so we hear gunshots, like the next street over. And so people are like, oh, going inside. People are moving. And I'm just sitting there eating my wings, man. And so they're like, uh, not everybody moved, but most of them moved, right? And so I'm laughing. I'm like, man, those, those shots coming from over there. Like, we over here, the shots are over there. I'm going to enjoy my wings. And this guy that was standing by, he said, man, that's, that's hood trauma right there. That's hood trauma. And when you think about it, it is, man. Because it gets to, gunshots become, can possibly become so normal to someone 
that we don't even perceive the the threat that most people perceive because it's not happening in my direct vicinity. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had been drinking, we laughed about it. But that that spoke to me, man. That 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 See, and that's what I'm saying when I say that trauma shows itself in a lot of different ways, man. It's not always, you know, I'm going to go out here and, and flip over some cars and do some dumb shit. Sometimes it's simply, I don't have the good sense to get the fuck out of the way of trouble sometimes. Yeah. Tra- tra- trauma is a chameleon. It, exactly. It is. It, it, it has many faces and, it, you know, and, and like you said, growing up in certain cities, it's just certain things that you... And, and it's bad to say now that you put it like that, that we that we've grown accustomed to. And like I said, I'll tell anybody. Exactly. I, I, I'm not a super gangster and none of that type shit. Oh, no, me by a long shot. But uh, but I tell them, oh, you best believe I'm gonna do what I gotta do to make sure I get home. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I'm just saying that to say, I have like I didn't grow up around a whole lot of guns and all that type shit. But even like now. I'll hear some walking down the street, car backfire. People, oh shit, nah, that's a car backfiring. Exactly. Like, and I just uh-uh. get, even if I hear gunshots, it's just like, all right, that that's not close. It's not exactly. You know, there you go. Right, it's it's not close. You know how close that shit is, but <laughs> you know, out of the street. Yeah. No, that's like two blocks. That that's far away. You know, the bigger the sound. Oh, that you know, sound like an AK. That sound like this. You know, it, it's different things. And like I said, it sucks that 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 is a type of trauma we we you know, become accustomed to this hearing that, hearing those gunshots and different things like that. And yeah, you just learn to incorporate it in our everyday life where the people that are running, we may look at them and laugh at times, but they got the good common sense to run. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bro, like that's the thing. Like I've been in the club and a fight breaks out right next to me and people are getting up, moving their chairs. And I'm just sitting there because of like, post-traumatic shit from prison bro mm-hmm. i'm not a tough guy let me let me clarify that i'm not a tough guy man i'm not and i don't i've never presented i've never tried to sell myself as such but i will what i will say is i'm not a real scary dude a lot of shit doesn't scare me mm-hmm. and that's probably to my detriment <laughs> you understand <laughs> what i'm saying <laughs> It, it it definitely can be because you know it's I don't I don't go looking for trouble but it's just certain like you said certain things it's it, it it just doesn't it just it doesn't move me like sir I can dogs and growing up in the city you know I could walk into somebody oh that dog is loose I ain't worried about that dog I mean like I said might be to my detriment I'm not thinking I could go up in what's his name Jack Hanna go up there and talk to the animal no shit like that but. <laughs> I'm not gonna run either. You know what I mean? Exactly. Dog grew up in the city, been around dogs all my life. Exactly. And that's the thing, bro. How many of you guys have found yourself in a situation where you were actually afraid or nervous, but you refused to show it? Oh Oh, man, all the time. (laughs) I'll give y'all one real quick. Um, Growing up in Virginia, my family moved like the the my father's side of the family moved to Maryland. Like they, that's where they lived. Prince George County. They was out there, Suitland. It was Marlowe Heights. They was around, they was around everywhere, Landover, Baltimore. So being a country kid, you know what I'm saying? A country from the suburbs too. The gunshots that we hear are from hunting. 
And if it's domestic and somebody's getting killed, you know that shot, you hear it in the trailer park, you know what it is, you knew how to bounce. You, you got away for something like that. And in the city, when that stuff happened, like you said, hearing gunshots, it, it was it was real tight. You, you kind of got a feel for things. But man, when I went up to Maryland, up in D.C. and around that area, like, I was was never afraid of nobody because I'm, you know, I've never had, my heart don't pump no Kool-Aid, as we say in the South. My heart don't pump a bit of Kool-Aid. But it will be certain instances when I turn 18, 19, 20, 21, and we're down, downtown, uh, Southwest, different places that I necessarily had no business being in. And you would see some stuff because they would always, they always, no matter where you are, they try to test OT out of town. If you're from out of town, I got an accent. My accent sometimes carries, like, I'm not even from Virginia. They'd be like, you from fucking bumfuck Egypt. So when you hear it and the clarity in my voice makes you all like, oh, he's an educated brother. So I'm going to test him. So I would be in positions where people would try to test me, you know, just because I got that, that vernacular in my voice you're hearing my voice a little bit clearer than everybody else around. So in them instances, sometimes, you know, be somebody a little bit bigger and it'd be somebody smaller that got a gun or something that's trying to play tough. And I, and in those type of instances, I would, my heart didn't pump no Kool-Aid, but that, that blood was boiling a little bit different than what it used to before anything happened. So I've had instances like that. And in those instances, it was always, and I, and I found this out now, the person that was doing that little extra bullying was just scared themselves. So I learned that it was it's a lot of fear that goes into the other person when they're trying to present violence or something negative. So ever since I learned that, I was like, okay, I can play this common cool. I can walk away from this because there's something underneath all this ogre skin and shit that's, that's bothering that person. I ain't a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. They ain't a friend of mine. So fuck them. Let them go on their business and let somebody else handle that, you know. And that's my toxicity there. I will admit that to everybody. Uh, sometimes some people want to play tough guy, want to do this and that. Man, I'm going to just look past it. Be tough guy. Do that. If you got to play tough guy past uh, the age of uh, 14, something's wrong. You ain't got to be a tough guy in your 30, 20s, 30s, or your 40s. And definitely if you're in your 50s and you're still a tough guy, you got to be careful. You lived a long time. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. You see OGs getting popped now. You see OGs getting popped and all this crazy stuff in this mentality that these that you, that you gotta be hard. I've never understood that because the hardest person still gets knocked down by the softest uh hit. And and, and that's true in any day. That's even in boxing. Because we didn't see some hits. Some people get some really soft hits. They took hard hits the whole time, get touched, get love. I call it a love touch, get a love touch and hit the ground. So all that tough man stuff, like it, I've never, no reason to ever have any type of bravado like that. Like, why do all that? Well, the hysterics, hysterics and all the stuff that you're doing, at the end of the day, when it's all done, people just sit back and laugh about it. And they just don't say nothing to you. They may be all, uh, what you want to say, they may uh, be a little afraid of you and, and keep that, let you keep that tough guy persona. But after it's all said and done, they walking away like, man, this is a clown. Let's get this dude, let's put him on Apollo. Let's make some money off of him. <laughs> you know. Um, and, I, and I would say for me, and, and like I said, I just want to reiterate this again. Not no super tough guy, but for me, there there's been times when I've been scared, like being with my wife and kids, because like I said, I'm either calm or I'm going off. And my fear has always come from, you know, being in instances where somebody want to play tough. And it's just like, my kids really going to see me do this. And because I already know, if I'm gone, if I'm gonna catch me a charge protecting myself, protecting my family, 
I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to get my money. Uh And that's my thing. It's just like fear of the unknown. Because sometimes you're afraid of what you're going to do to them. Yeah. And, and, And my wife has been around, you know, I've only reacted like that one time. And I mean, it's to the point to where my mother and my wife couldn't even calm me down. That's how mad I was. And it was just, and they were telling me what they were saying to me. And for the light, I couldn't tell you anything anybody was saying to me. The only thing I remember, and they told me afterwards, they said, we were pulling you back and you were dragging us. That's how mad I was. So like I said, has it, I can't honestly think right offhand of anything where I was scared for myself necessarily, but I was scared for the person and what my kids or my wife and my mother would have seen me do in that instance. Because like I said, for all the people that have never been in a real fight or a street fight or anything like that, there is a real place of where you black out and you really don't know what the fuck is going on. So, I mean, I, that would say that was my instance of being afraid of, and when you, like I said, when you, when I sat back and thought about it, it almost brought me to tears because I'm like, if I would have done, if I'd have got my hands on this person, it would have taken me away from my kids for however long, you know, taking me, taking me away from my wife. And I would have, you know, hurt somebody. Like I said, I'm not one, I ain't trying to kill nobody or hurt nobody for nothing stupid. Like I said, protecting my wife and kids, that to me, that's a whole separate conversation. But man, if you get that, man, you're one of the ones that I'm gonna have to pull the tranquilizer gun out on. <laughs> put you to sleep with, with some of that ketamine or something. That's that's the way that sounded. That but that's why I stayed with myself and I, I I can let a lot of shit go. People you can talk all the shit you want. You're not close to me enough on your hands on me. I I'm cool. But that that's the yeah. That's that one place I don't like to be because I totally lose control. Yeah. So so what about you, Jay? Have you been in a position to where you've been afraid and and just refuse to show it? Absolutely, more than once. That's part of the reason why now I really I it, okay. So if you pretend to be something long enough, you'll start to believe you that shit. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I feel like I pretended not to be afraid so long till I honestly inadvertently put myself in enough situations where I should have been afraid till now I'm at the point where I'm truly not afraid. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember one time we had some beef with some older guys in the hood, man, and uh they they heard about a little plot we had concocted right (laughs) some little plans we had right and so they caught me walking down the street at night by myself and they were like get in the car I'm like man I ain't getting in there and they're like oh you getting in here get in the car and they they showed me a little something that made me decide that maybe I should get in the car right so I got in the car and uh they were asking me questions and stuff and I was terrified but I remember saying to myself I'm young dude I'm like 16 17 years old and I remember saying to myself, if they're going to do something to me, they're going to do it. So ain't no point in me bitching up now, right? <laughs> so I was like, uh, you know, so I leaned back. And they were drinking. I was like, man, can I have a drink? <laughs> I'm, I'm a kid, man. But I'm trying to bravado. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, got the drink and had the convo with them. And I'm like, man, it's not even like that, man. Like, you know, y'all older than us, man. Y'all y'all know y'all was wrong for what y'all did. 
Y'all was riding down the street. You hit the lights trying to shoot at us. Come on, man. Like, you know, having conversations with him. And so one of the dudes was like, man, I like this little nigga. Let him out. Now, I don't know what they had planned to do to me, bro. I'm being honest with you. Maybe they wouldn't have. I was a kid, so maybe they would have just beat me up and put me out. I don't know. But dude was like, I like this guy, man. Put him out. You know what I'm saying? Let him out. I got out. And I walked down the street and I went home and I'm still here to tell this story. But but one thing I will say, man, is that uh, some of those guys that were in that car that night are no longer here. And that's not, I'm not saying I didn't, no, I'm not, I didn't have anything to do with it. But what I'm saying is the type of guys that these were, either they were going to do something to you or you were going to do something to them. So for them to even consider letting me go, when I look at it in retrospect, I'm like, man, like, Maybe they just respected the fact that I was a kid and then how I was like, how I presented myself, you know, whatever else. But these were like those dudes, like really those dudes. You know what I'm saying? That 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 were out here doing crazy. But I do understand also that it was a different time and people moved different. Those guys moved different. They had a cold and you know what I'm saying? All of that. Now, we got to look at all of that, but... But yeah, man, I was afraid. I was terrified, actually. Like, I damn near pissed myself. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I pretended not to be. And there were many other occasions where I pretended not to be afraid when I was afraid until the day really came where I found myself in a situation I really wasn't scared. It was like, man, it is what it is. It's life, you know, man. It's life, man. It, it is what it is. Like, they might get me. Today might be the day. I remember... Like, bro, I remember having a conversation with myself in my head or praying, basically. Like, God, I don't want to die out here in the street in the gutter. Like, I don't want to die like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know I'm going to die one day. I don't want to die like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, so. Uh, then I do have a question. And this, uh, we're talking mental health, you know, and things like that. But But do you think that that's the, the issue with a lot of the kids today is that they tell themselves so long or they or they pump themselves up enough to where they actually believe that they're not afraid of anything. Well, let me jump in on that real quick. Okay. All right. The, the, listen, listen, the problem with society right now, and this is the young kids, and this is the young kid to the young kid, and it's the young kid to the OG, and what the OG hypes the young kid. It's the word hype. The hype man. The man with the knowledge, the man with the experience, it's the hype man that, that garners respect. And these kids listen to a hype man or hype woman, binary, whatever, non-binary, or not, I ain't gonna try to get canceled, so we'll just say whatever. Whoever the hype person is. The hype person is a person that never gets touched. Because the hype man, I don't care what he hypes up, they ain't nobody gonna run up on him because he's got somebody that he can hype up to run up on them. It's that hype person that is what's wrong with society and what's wrong with this generation. There's a dude out here that will glorify this, this, and that, and go and do this and say this and that, but won't be about it. It'll be a lot of fake fuckery going on in the streets and it ha and 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 if it's in the suburbs, everywhere else too. Don't matter where the fuck you are. That hype man is the one that he's like an escalator. He can take you up and he can take you down. And it's all on the feeling and the emotion and the ride that he wants or she wants for that time and period. And, and I said she too, because we all know that there's some women that will hype some shit up and have you out here running up on somebody like CJ from San Andreas and 
doing some crazy stuff that you wouldn't do. Because even I know when I was a young boy, and I'm when I say young boy audience, I'm saying this like 16, 17. I ain't talking about as an adult. A girl, if she had that grip, and everybody knows what I mean by the grip, out of respect for everybody, if she had that grip and she told me that somebody was doing something that she didn't like, I was running up on you like incredible. If you, if I if I found that you was back then we had the two way pages, and we had the regular page. If I found that you had sent the nine one one page to her or something like that, and she hyped it up like, oh, I he, I didn't even give him my page number, or he calling my mom's house, Whew. I'm running up on you worse than CJ from San Andreas. You know, ain't no Grand Theft Auto shit to it. I'm you. We're gonna knock and buck, and then you're gonna get knocked the fuck out, or I'm gonna get knocked the fuck out. So. It's that it's that hypeness, and I had a hype man around me. And sometimes I was a hype man too. And we all have been hype men. Every single one of us in this conversation has been a hype man. So don't say you haven't. Uh, it be, it's some some shit. Uh, but this generation's hype man has no soul. Back then, I know some people will get some people motivated to fight because they might be a punk in real life, and you just got to get them hyped so that they can either take that L or they can get that w, that surprise W. Sometimes, most time, they got that L, but. The, the thing is, is that the hype man now has no conscience. And, and I play it back to that rapper that uh, just passed away, Young Dolph. Um, when we find out that it was somebody, we just found out that it was somebody in his inner circle, a dude behind him in a picture where he's throwing up stacks that killed him. Somebody in that crew got that boy hype, told that man it was time to take this man out of this world so you can be famous. And what this generation doesn't understand is that that bullet or that permanent uh, deal of killing somebody, all it does is put you behind bars. It don't make you tough. It just makes you a new rap lyric for the next up and coming rapper to rap about what you did to the other rapper. See, that's something I want to say real quick, man. We talk about mental health and mental, um, like traumatization and things of this nature, man. When my life started to go off track and off the rail, bro, it was when I started listening to NWA. I'm being honest. Okay? I started glorifying drug dealers, drug dealer moves, and gangster shit. That's when my life slowly started to get off track. Now, don't get me wrong, man. I mean, I grew up in the environment. So I had, I, so the music only made me put my, zoom my lens in on the examples in the hood. And I started to see these guys like, man, they got the girls, they got the cars, they got the jewelry. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm already looking at it like, how am I going to get things that I want and things that I need? Because see, for me, it was like my mom's and everybody spoiled me up until a certain point. And then it was like, oh, you got to fend for yourself now because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm working all these extra hours to get you to Jordan's and you ain't doing right, so we done with that. So now I'm like, well, how can I do it? But then I got my little buddy over here. He hustling. He got the pocket full of money. I'm trying. I'm curious. Hey, <laughs> what's up, bro? Okay, boom, gave me the game. So now I'm glorifying this shit, and I'm running around. I'm listening. So it wasn't so – so I, I did trauma, and in, in, I don't want to call it, like, mental health issues, man. And I, want, I hope we get into that because I want to talk about that too. But – but trauma, it's most people would say is a mental health thing. You know what I mean? So it did play a part in how I began to move and how I began to perceive the world. Because one thing I've learned, and I learned it very early in life, is that when you're dirty or tainted, 
you view everyone else as dirty or tainted. And it affects how you treat people, how you approach life. So true. So, so since you touched on it, I'm going to hear what you, what you were about to say about the about the health issues and stuff. I want to, uh, uh, Jay, I want to hear you you speak on about mental health. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I remember being in school and them having the kids who were in special classes because they had behavioral health issues. You remember them, the BEH or the special classes, special needs, those kids. See, I was friends with a lot of those kids. We came from the same neighborhood. And I understood that the only difference between me and him is I had a little bit more self-control when I was in public, right? (laughs) (laughs) That was the only thing that separated us. (laughs) I was afraid of that ass whipping I might get when I got home. Michael wasn't. He didn't care. But, But he had a different example at home. His ideologies were different. His his perception of boundaries were different. I knew that when I got home, I had a granddaddy that was going to pull a big ass belt out of that closet and tear my ass up. He had a mother who may or may not whip him depending on if she got high that day or not. You you understand what I'm saying? And then his examples were different. He saw different things. So he behaved. He he represented what he was and what he came from and what he saw on a day-to-day basis. And I wanted to do some of the same shit Michael did, but I knew the consequences were different for me. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So I looked at that and I took that in, I observed that. And as I got older, you know, I went through depression. I have I have many stories and anyone who listens to me for any length of time knows like this dude been through some shit in his life. And I had moments where I was depressed and I had moments where I had thoughts about doing things to myself. They didn't last very long because I love me some me. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, seriously. But at the end of the day, like those thoughts did come. And so I have to ask myself like, Am I special because I was able to ward off and fight off these thoughts? Or was it that maybe I was given some tools that other people weren't given? Or maybe I understood some things that other people didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just was too pussy. I'll take that. You still I'll accept that. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> so at the end of the day, when I look at it and when I think about it, And when I look at now, because see, the thing now is it's popular to to claim mental health. It's the popular thing. It's the end thing, just like being gay. I'm not throwing stones at anyone. I'm saying it's cool to be gay now. So people that may not have been gay or wanted to be gay because gay is cool and I want to be cool, I'm going to experiment with the shit now. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's the reality we live in today. What makes me, in my opinion, a dope-ass podcaster is only two things, man. It's not because I know more or I'm more special. I don't mind telling the truth about myself and being transparent, and I don't mind saying what the fuck I feel at the risk of what the fuck ever comes. But I respect and love everybody. See, that's the key. That's the key. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. We'll, we'll catch that another time. My point is this, man. So because of 
the fact that it's the end thing to tout the mental health thing. There are a lot of people who experience depression. Okay, so let me let me say this. Everybody, if you are a human being that bleeds red and lives and breathes, you are going to experience some form of depression in your life. It does not mean you have a mental health issue. It means that you're a human being and your ass is depressed. It happens to everyone. But there are some people who experience depression and say, I'm struggling with mental health issues. There is a difference between being depressed and being depressed all the time. People who are dealing with mental health issues are depressed when the world is at its, is treating them at the, the very best. There is nothing wrong in your life and you're depressed. You have everything you've ever desired. You have everything you ever wanted and you are still fucking depressed. When these things happen, then you should start looking into some counseling or something. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't otherwise, but what I'm saying is if everybody who experienced a bump in the road starts claiming mental health issues and running to all the psychiatrists and taking up all the appointments, taking up all the time, what the fuck are the real people who are dealing with real mental health issues going to do? Let's cut the bullshit, man. Let's stop playing with this thing. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel you on that. So, so let me give you the, the tell of the tape on the other side. All right, we're going to go back to uh, March 1994. My father passed away. My father was a, a complete man. My dad, from balancing the checkbook to making sure the education that we provided with, the athletics and everything that we did, my dad formulated it to a T. All my mom had to do was go do her, her job and enjoy her life, spend her money on the weekend, do what she wanted to. She was still a mother, but this man even came home and cooked. She cooked too, but... He was flame. She her shit was trash. I love you, mom. But anyway, so my mom's life, everybody sugarcoated everything for her. They didn't give let my mom experience life. Everybody protected her. Sort of like how you got that point guard that you let bring up the ball of the court, and that's your decision maker, but you don't always let them take shots and come down the lane because you're gonna need them later on because they do more than score. They're the whole psyche for the team. So my mom was not a point guard. My mom was like the seventh man off the bench. And they candy-coated us. And her little idiosyncrasies or the things that she was not um, compliant with or wasn't on point with fell through the cracks. And this is a lady growing up, born in 1958, growing up through the 60s and 70s. So her mental health issues went undocumented. The, the little minor things that we would just laugh at or whatever – were taken for granted. So we go to March 1994. My father passed away. A car falls on his chest. He's working on it. He di- he dies a, a rough death. I mean, it was quick, but it, it was rough. So, you know, the person you love died like that. The person that took care of you and was able to deal with your deficiencies, as someone would call it. Um, so we didn't know these things. So my mom, you know, we're young we get a life insurance policy. We become rich off that. I ain't going to even sit here in front of y'all. My dad set it up to where when he passed away, we would, we went from being middle-class to upper middle-class. So my mom has people around her. She's got money. She's taking these trips to Atlantic city. She living the baller life, still taking care of us. But my grandma putting us on the bus and taking us to school and living in our house while my mom is out partying and doing whatever she wanted to do. 
reality hits. My mom's got to get a double mortgage because that money starts running low. She's owing people money in Atlantic City. She's owing people money because she's out here gambling. Um, she is a womanizer. In a sense, so we'll just flip it as a manizer. She's out here running game on dudes, driving Jaguar. My mom was living the life. All on, and no one understood how her mind warped so much. So 94 to 96, she went through $100,000 that quick. I mean, I had my mom, and you got to understand, at that time, I would have been 9, 10 years old. I had my mom give me $1,000. I went to the store one day, and I, and I can I'll always remember this. When the Sony PlayStation came out, the Nintendo 64, and the Sega Saturn came out, my mom gave me cash, and I went to the store and bought them with a set of games and an extra controller. In the 64, I had four controllers. And you know that that shit was bread back then because that Saturn was $500. And today it would be at least twelve dollars to $1,300 now. So I didn't realize that my mom was going through all this stuff. So I'm learning this as I'm, you know, I'm coming up and she's giving us money. She's showering us with all this stuff. So we're giving this falsehood that everything's all right. But my mom is breaking down. She's grieving, but she out here spending cash and acting like um, cash money millionaires. So September 1996, she tries to board an airplane going to Washington, D.C. to catch up with her lover in D.C. Well, she got hair rollers in and she's out of her mind. Um, the psychiatric ward uh, picked her up. Well, we call, we call it a mental hygiene. So they pick my mom up with a mental hygiene and they take her and put her in a facility, 30 days, 60 days stints. And back then, Virginia still had uh, electrotherapy. So they shocked her trying to get her right. Back then, it was what we call Prozac. Prozac was what straightened her out. So Prozac and lithium, both of them two, stole my mom from me at a young age. So as I'm getting older, I, we didn't go get canceled for this. You know, our grandma, she's a wise lady, my mom's mom. And she's telling us what's happening. She's telling us that your mom is a manic depressant. Your mom, at some point, we didn't do what we needed to for her. We looked at the little flaws that she had or the little deficiencies, and we laughed at them and thought it was cute. And we didn't take the time to realize that this person actually has issues. So later on down the road from, from 1994 to about 2001, that, I didn't have no mom. My mom, and that's up into my sophomore year of school. So my mom is in and out of facilities. She's jumping back and forth just to get sane. So eventually at some point, they just cold turkey, take her off of medicine. They put her on a Holodol shot. And she gets that Holodol shot to this day. That Holodol shot is the only thing that keeps her sane, keeps her flowing, and keeps her going in a manner that she can function. So mental health to me like, you, like, I agree with what you said, that people do take it to a certain degree and, and like they're using it as a fad. But to me, now it's opening up a door of taking away the stigma and the taboo. Because in the 70s and 80s and even up until, I won't even say up until 04, like we didn't really deal with mental health. And I see the issue that you see with mental health because people are just flashing, oh, um, life's not good today, so... It's a mental health day. I need to take time off and do this and that. Nah, people shouldn't use it casually like that. I do agree with you on that. But it's a stigma and taboo that is being uh, demyfed now. Like demyfed, like it, there's no myth to it anymore. People actually have issues. And when we find, like you said, a, a clinically depressed person like my mother, a manic depressant, that's someone that should be glorified and you should learn about it. It shouldn't be this little casual, I'm just going to be mental for, I'm going to have mental health issues for today or this, this and that. Like you said, it shouldn't be a cop-out. 
And I wholeheartedly agree with that. But the one thing I will say is that in our society, because of the cop-outs now, the people like my mother get left behind. And then when they get when they get the help that they need, exactly. when, when they get the help, people around them ridicule them because people are like, yo, my mom was a high roller. My mom had everything. We had 400 acres. We, I lived a good life. I ain't going to say a lot to nobody. Not a silver spoon because we had to deal with her coming in and out of mental health places. But everything was good until she squandered all the money. And then everybody had something to say. It, it wasn't all hunky-dory and the people that was friends weren't her friends. It was her enemies that came and saved her, which is sad. And that's why I say sometimes you got to keep them enemies in a certain arm length. You can't let them to the barbecue. You can't let them come to um, the cookout. We don't do picnics. Um, so, you know, they can't come to the functions, but they can stay in the background. They can sit around and they can be part of something. But yeah, when it comes to mental health, I'm a strong advocate for it. It sits inside my podcast. It's one of the things that I talk about. It's one of the things that I try to deal with because as men, it's harder for us as black men. And everybody says that everybody wants to jump in for being stereotypical. When I say this as black men, white men, I'm not going to even say a race. I'm just going to say this as a man. It doesn't have to do with color. As a man, it is so hard to be able to talk to someone. It's, it's hard to even have a friend come talk to you and say, hey, how are you doing mentally? How are you doing in your mindset? Like I got, I've got over however many people in my phone, but not one of them people call me and be like, hey, how are you doing mentally? I got one friend that was with me when my wife died. She lived in Kentucky. She called me ever so often. And she's like, how are you doing mentally? And I will do mental health checkups on people because that's something I do. But I do believe in this time and day and in life that if people is going to deal with mental health or you're going to say you have mental health issues, it's not a checkup. You need to do mental maintenance. You need to have a formula, something formulated that you can constantly do every day to work on your psyche. That's the problem with this whole tagging yourself saying you got mental health issues because people just want a quick fix. It's like crack. Oh, I'm going to have some mental health issues. Let me get a little bit of this uh, psychology. Let me get some of this therapy real fast. And then I'll go from here and act like everything's all right. And then blah, 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 I'll blow up again. That's the issue. And I agree with you, Jay. That is the problem with people tagging themselves with that. I wholeheartedly agree with that because it's just like you shouldn't treat it like it's a drug. You should treat it like it's an actual disease, an illness. You shouldn't just treat it like an ailment. And that's the problem. People treat it like an ailment. And, and, and I get your perspective. And I really like that. And I appreciate you for giving that to us. I hope you give yourself a pat on the shoulder for that because a lot of people wouldn't say that. A lot of people wouldn't have said it the way you said it in, 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 in you know, been descriptive because a lot of people going to look a different way. They're going to be like, man, he's kind of hard about it. But you really are speaking the truth. That's the thing. I think I think people need that, 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 that tough love or kicking the ass sometimes, especially when it comes to mental health. Because me, I'm, even, even up until now, like I said earlier about my brother and that certain time of the year, I still don't want to go talk to somebody. Because for me, I'm looking at it like, and this kind of flows right into my next question. For me, I look at my wife and go, well, I can talk to you. Not knowing that, yeah, she's the heir, the sympathetic heir, she's my wife, she's going to listen. But can she actually give me the answers and things that I need to really deal with what the hell you know the emotions and things of me losing my brother like I said I'm 20 plus years in of, you know since my brother passed and I still have these emotions like I said it may only be one time a year but that one time a year it could get to a point to where that one time a year can be complete fucking chaos so it 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 is it, 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 it is it really big as men for us to have somebody to talk to and the question I want to ask after saying that is do you 
both of you, do you all feel that you have someone that you can, whether it's your wife, you know, best friend, cousin, whoever, do you feel that you have someone that you can, I don't necessarily want to say depend, but that you can count on if you, you know, in those down times that if you really need to talk and get something off your chest? All right. So <clears throat> my my response is probably going to elicit a lot of different opinions, viewpoints. Some people will completely shut it out. I'll say this. The, the, the woman that I've been dealing with, the woman in my life, is definitely someone who I can go to and talk, who will understand and will listen. But by her own admission, she doesn't know how to help me. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and that's, that's the, the truth of it sometimes. You, you have people who, look, I will listen to you and I will share what insight that I have, but I don't know how to help you. But I think sometimes we as human beings, we belittle how important just being a sounding board is. Because for me, just being able to vent is enough because I have the means within myself to figure out some things, to listen to myself as I speak and put some pieces of the puzzle together and make it through the next phase of this thing, right? Um, everyone doesn't have that, I understand that. Once again, like I said earlier, I'm gifted in a way to where I can see to the root of a situation. So listening to myself talk often reveals lots of answers. One of the reasons I'm a podcaster, and I know that people clown and say, you know, men don't go get therapy, they start a podcast. And there's a little bit of truth to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is. But 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 what I will say is this is that we people, we as people, we need to stop discrediting the art of listening, you know, how important it is to just be able to vent because these things are very, very important. And whether or not people truly understand, to have someone that tries to understand, believe it or not, helps a lot. But for me, my saving grace in life, my mental stability comes from a place most people try to stray away from. It comes from my belief in a higher power. Whether you want to call him God, Buddha, Jesus, Allah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Now, now I do I believe that my belief system is the proper one and that's why where the power comes from that sustains me, of course. But I'll never bash anyone else for what they believe because that's not my responsibility. That's not my place. I didn't create you. I'm not God. I can't judge you. That's not what I'm here for. So I say that to say this. It's my, I believe in what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus is like a perfect counselor. So if I need counseling and Jesus is the perfect counselor, then maybe I should look into having some talks with Jesus. Now, here's the thing. It's a, faith has a lot to do with this. Intelligence has a lot to do with this. Initiative has a lot to do with this. and Studying, reading, comprehending have a lot to do with this. It's my belief that when I have questions in life and I ask those questions and I pray about those things, 
The scriptures yield the answers. So I drink, I curse, I'll fight. I'm not above cheating and fornicating. I'm not above any of those things. But I don't have to be perfect to allow God to be God and to love him and to allow him to love me. With that being said, there's never been a situation that has occurred in my life that I didn't have the answers for, that I didn't receive the answers for through my faith, prayer, and study of the scripture. That's where my strength comes from. Can't speak for everybody else. But I find stability in the fact that I can go to the one who created me to find answers that apply to me in my life on a daily basis. I don't pray every day. I don't read the Bible every day. I don't have a dilemma every day. But if I did, I know where to find the answers. I know where to find the encouragement. I know where to find the strength. And so I encourage anyone and everyone to find a way to get in tune with your spirit and your higher power, because it's there that I feel like all the answers do truly reside. And, you know, I'm not, like I say all the time, and like I've said, starting this off, like I'm not special. I'm no different from anybody else. I've been through just as much trauma, if not more. But I feel like, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job of coping and existing because I've found a way to seek the answers. So am I saying that you shouldn't seek counseling or seek help or seek a psychiatrist? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the first time, listen, I lost months of content when my hard drive or an external hard drive went down on I had a freaking meltdown. I had tears running out of my fucking eyes, man, as a grown ass man. I'm not ashamed to say that, bro. I was hurt. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't boohoo bitch crying, but out of my frustration, yeah, my eyes pissed a little bit. My point is this. That could have been, you know, there are people that, in reality, there are people who would have gone through that and decided, you know what, life ain't worth living. I'm going to kill myself and everybody else in the fucking house. That's a reality, especially now. We see that type of shit every day. I blame the vaccine, but we'll talk about something else. <laughs> my point is this. <laughs> and then, you know, it's all good to joke and everything, but my point is this, man. At the end of the day, we could all find reasons to lose our shit. I'm not out here looking for reasons to lose my shit. I'm looking for reasons to keep it together. And that's what we need to do. All right, now. Yeah. Now, for me to answer this question, we're going to go deep. Now, y'all got to understand, I'm an R&B dude. I rap music don't, don't tickle my fancy. I was Atlantic star back in the day. So... I had this thing called codependency. It's unhealthy. That's what they try to tell you. But I got a codependency on everybody. 
I had people that I talked to, like I can just call you out of nowhere, even if I just talk business with you. You might not know, but that might be helping me get some shit off my chest that I want to tell somebody. I might have, I might, I, I spoke with a man today. He don't even realize that he helped me out because I was able to just get a little quick announcement about something that we've been talking about for a while. I told this man something today and he knows that something is going to go into fruition very soon. And telling him that, that took a weight off my chest because it was like, man, I don't want to share it with no other motherfucker. But me and this motherfucker ain't that close, but I'm going to share it with him and we're going to rock it out. They didn't even know what they did. So after that, I went about my day, ate my chicken biscuit, ate my ajou roast beef and kept getting up. Um, so my codependency is like this. Uh, Stacy, that's the that's my girlfriend right now. Um, I have codependency on her. Michelle, uh, the wife that passed away, I got a codependency on her. Certain little things that these people do that keep me sane, keep me straight. Not in the sense of they're the the fuel that keeps me going, but they're the enrichment, the nourishment that goes inside the fuel that keeps me going. So my codependency is like this. You're never going to know what you do for me because if I tell you what you do for me, then you're going to ruin it. So I will say I do have an unhealthy trait of codependency on people. And the witches told me that I shouldn't be like that, but I was like, man, fuck them witches because my codependency uh, keeps me sane. It keeps me going. It keeps me being 170% that I got to be for people around me. It keeps me being that charismatic enigma. And I'm not Jeff Hardy, but I'm just saying it that way that the people need that, that encouragement that people need to keep going and stuff like that. So my codependency runs deep. Um, having an institute of thought with morality, which that's what we call religion. And I will say that again, an institute of thought with morality, that is religion. That's the bar for me, as uh, DeWan would say from Grown Man Logic. Um, so having a belief system, having something that reiterates uh, who you are, what you should be, and how you should conduct yourself. I do wholeheartedly believe in that. I always tell the story, if you go on the island and I told you that Captain Hook was the devil and Peter Pan was God and that the angels were the fairies or Tinkerbell, you're going to follow suit with that. And that's going to be your belief system. And I'm going to give you certain things that are that are going to build your morale and take you to another level. But you get these things inside of any type of religion. I don't care what it is, even if it's whatever. But we ain't here to talk all that. If we're going to do that, we'll do another episode one day. So my thing is, is that you got to have building blocks. You got to have a system in place to take care of yourself. If you do not have a system in place, you will fall by the wayside because these people that don't have systems and, and I ain't knocking anybody, but I see it too much. It's a lot of bravado. It's a lot of heightenness, but when they fall, they fall. It ain't no, it ain't like the, the little thing that we was taught about the rising action and the climax and the falling. It's just the climax up and then it's just all the way down to the ground. So in, inside of that, um, I just try to, you know, keep things level and, and, and that's basically just me like outside of that I can't necessarily you know poke fun or say this or that about anybody and how they get to where they need to get to I just say make sure you get to where you need to with your mental health if you can't do that it's no reason to uh to, to even bother with your mental health if you're not willing to have that system set up and something that is reliable for you if you don't need people and it's video games or it's whatever vice that you have have that vice do that uh if you don't have vices then you're gonna fall by the wayside and i'm not talking about drugs i'm talking about something that's gonna actually stick with you like the podcasting and things like that like i podcast certain episodes it's for my mental health 
certain episodes just like what we're doing right here. This is therapy that we just did out of nowhere. We didn't even know it. That's the way we're doing therapy. We're not doing it by the book. We're not doing it with a psychologist or a trained mental health professional because as men, and I don't care what any of these uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, anybody says, sometimes it's better just to do it this way, to get it out in the open, get it out there and just let it be. I mean, that, and I agree, and, I, and I'll say this, and then I just have one last question because we're coming up on two hours. <laughs> yeah, you want, you want to break this up into two shows. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, but, I, but I'll say this. For me, honestly, podcasting has been therapy for me. I think Jay, you said that earlier, because, and, and I'll make this part quick so I can ask this last question. But for me, um, I started podcasting because of the George Floyd incident. And you know, like I said, I have three, I have three boys and watching that whole situation unfold and everything, it just sent me, and I had a question about anxiety uh, that you sent JR, but you know, I'm not an anxious person, but when that happened, it, for some reason, it triggered something in me and it just made me think about my sons because having three boys, you know, 21, 16, and my youngest will be 10 next week. It's just, you know, all this time I've always told them, I'll protect you. But now seeing that no matter how well my wife and I groom them to walk and act outside this house, they can still be killed and in, in different things like that. So like you said, the podcasting for me was great therapy because of course, me to talk. I'm not a big talker. My wife laughs and said, for somebody who doesn't talk a lot, you do a lot of talking when you podcast. And it's like, <laughs> This is how I get all my shit out is, is doing the podcast. Other than that, I'm kind of quiet and and shy somewhat. So, but I mean, it, it this, this is great therapy. So for anybody that said this is, you know, how grown men do therapy, if this is how they find therapy and this is how they get the shit out of their system, support them. Pat them on the back, congratulate them. Because even if they don't put it out recorded, they can keep the shit, go back and listen to it six months from now and go, shit, I was tripping that day or, you know, whatever the case may be. So my last question um, before we begin to wrap this up is, so what do you do, what do you do for you? I mean, um, for like for me, I write. I like to write, love music. I'm like you, JR, listen to some rap, but I'm more of an R&B person. So like for me, I can listen to music, get in a car, take a drive, I'll write. Um, one of one of my things that I did when I was feeling some type of way, this book that you see over my shoulder, I wrote that book one day. I was feeling some type of way, so I sat down and <laughs> I pulled out my phone and I just started typing in my phone. So that that's how I got you know relieved some stress and things like that. Because like I said, I'm not a big drinker or everyday drinking, smoking, nothing like that. So I like to write and just listen to music. So what do you two do for? I guess for me time for you when you feel in some type of way. You want me to go ahead and so, jump on it or you got it? Oh, you got nah, it. Go you ahead. can go ahead, bro. You can go All ahead. right, so, so I'm real simple, man. Like I told you, I'm one of them R&B dudes. Um, I listen to Babyface. And, and I'm going to tell y'all why I'm going to go into this real quick. And these songs have no meaning at all. They don't have nothing to do with my mental health. But for some reason, I can listen to them. If I'm getting anywhere sad, or just something crazy. It's one song called And Our Feelings. 
by Babyface. Don't have nothing to do with nothing, but it's just a sad-ass song. And then it's another one. Hold on, let me scroll to it. I, I forgot. I apologize. It's called uh, shit, 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 shit. Basically, if you listen to the Tender Love album that you did to go. Um, what, where's that song at? I had it too. Where Will You Go? Them two songs, they ain't got shit to do with nothing that's going on in my life. But I can hear them sad songs. And then, you know, everybody sings with baby face. So I might be in the car. I got to be by myself when I'm doing this shit. But I might go down the road and look at somebody and sing and throw the little hand out there like that and bring it back up to them. They're going to see me do a little performance. And I know that sounds a little psycho or crazy, whatever. But I can take them two songs or anything in Babyface's catalog. It's a newer one with Tony Braxton called I Hope That You're Okay, which are right, I hope you're okay. I can not base it on everything and just take certain lyrics out of it. And I'm like, this is going to help me through the day. And then I blank out and go ahead. Uh, the video games. I don't play as much as I, I put out there, but I'm a genius with the Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. So I will get in there and do what I got to do. Um, watching a movie and, and everybody knows I'm the projector king. I will set up. I may I make it a point, even when I'm done with this interview, I'm going to go off and me and old ladies and watch a movie on projector. I'm learning about Harry Potter. I never watched it 20 years and I never watched this shit. So I'm going to watch Harry Potter for tonight. And if I got any, anything wrong with me, I'm just going to fall asleep during Harry Potter. And that's mental exercise for me. Um, it always goes back to the music because for some reason, music has been with me from the 45s to whatever. Um, I will just certain songs I can just listen to. And like I said, something about Babyface, he, he was one of them people that's got music that has character to it and emotion. So I, them two random ass songs, I play both of them. I'm good. And that's it. What about you, Jay? All right, so let's see. There's so many things. Um, definitely movies and music. Definitely movies and music. Um, as I stated, you know, prayer. I talk to myself a little bit. I have to talk myself down sometimes. And man, sex, man. I swear. <laughs> sex too. I forgot about that. <laughs> Gotta get them buns. <laughs> Very simple. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's a good thing. Sometimes that, that's all it takes. But but I would say since you brought it up, Jr., the one song that that's sad, but for whatever reason, when I'm feeling any type of way that I can listen to, is Anthony Hamilton's "I'm a Mess Right Now." I'm gonna have to listen to that. Ooh, that that shit there. I might not be going through anything. I and I'm not going through shit anything close to what he's talking about in that song. But that song right there. I put that shit on and I'm just like, you know what? Well, sometimes I listen to it and go, you know, my issues ain't that damn bad. <laughs> but it, it, it really does do it for me. But um, before we close out, I, I was looking up the number and I'll say that since we are talking about mental health, there's a, I have an 800 number. So when people hear this episode, if you feel like you're going through something or if you are going through something, you don't have anybody to reach out to or you just don't want to talk to somebody you know for the fear of them spreading your business or maybe you just don't have people that you're connected to like that. This is S-A-M-H-S-A. There's a national helpline. It's 1-800-662-HELP, which is one 800 662-4357. Reach out. It's a 24-hour number, seven days a week, 365. 
talk to somebody. And if you don't want to talk to anybody, you have an iPhone, Android, whatever, talk to yourself, record it, listen to it, start a podcast. For all the people that laugh at men for starting podcasts as therapy, hey, fuck them. This is <laughs> it's, a good, it's, it's a good way to get it out. Better than you. It can, helps. Yeah. Rather than you keeping that shit in and exploding on your kids, your wife, your girl, boyfriend, whatever, you know, so talk to your phone. It, it, it truly does help. And one disclaimer I want to throw in here real quick, those babyface songs I named, they will help you with some type of heartbreak. Because one thing we don't talk about as men either is heartache and heartbreak. I'm not here to talk about that shit. But I'm just saying, if you do go through something, where will you go? And, and our feelings will help you. That They are by babyface. Facts. <laughs> They do a heartbreak show sometime later. <laughs> Hell yeah. But, but before we close out, please let the people know um, how they could get in contact with you and where they can find you and what days your shows drop on. All right. So real quick, um, you can find me, Jay Christian, at the Cognac Room Podcast on Instagram, the Cognac Room Podcast on Facebook, um, the Cognac Room Podcast on YouTube. There are a couple of nights a week that we are on television on um, Roku channels. That's Grind City TV and Diva Speech Relationships. Thursday at 9 p.m., Friday at 10 p.m. So definitely go check us out, tap in, and uh, we will definitely show you some love. And um, I am JR from West Virginia and Commonplace. Our show comes out every Thursday. We do run a show ever so often on Saturdays. Um, the big move is March 15th. We're moving over to Twitch. You will be able to catch me regularly with some um, wrestling podcasters in the near future on YouTube Live. And um, we will be doing all kinds of ventures, spatial audio, Dobly, Atmos. We are trying to get that sound out there. Everybody should be in 3D audio by next year. Um, that's the whole big thing there that's going on with me right now. Um, so you may not see me necessarily with all them tips and stuff. If you need to hear any tips, there's 74 episodes of podcast talk on IGTV where you can find things that will help you get growth in different things inside your podcast. Um, and sometimes just some politics stuff in podcasting because it's a lot of politics that we don't address and we don't deal with except behind the scenes. And sometimes it's some things that should come out into the light so that people, you know, don't get misrepresented and things like that. So once again, wvuncommonplace.com you can hit over there if you need consult work or anything like that come holler at me um it's a way to grow and it's a way to move and you can do it with west virginia and commonplace all right and now say for me you know we need to talk 23 um i'm trying to lock down an exact day when i drop my episodes <laughs> uh, i was locked into wednesdays and then i took a you know a little break over the holidays and stuff and uh just this week i dropped two episodes in one week which i normally don't do but um, you can find me on IG. We need to talk underscore 23. No, I'm sorry. We need to talk 23 underscore pod. Um, same thing on TikTok. I'm still learning TikTok. <laughs> Facebook. I don't use Facebook that often. And Twitter. Still trying to get a handle on Twitter. Shit moves too quick for me. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> like an old man, but Twitter moves way too fast for me sometimes. But um, but yeah, definitely tap in, you know, check me out if you want to, you know, get in contact with me we need to talk 23 pod at gmail.com and um any any parting shots before we shut this down all right and again this is uh we need to talk 23 and we're signing off <laughs> <laughs>